This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most. Today, I'm going to get right to it because we have a beautiful worldwide leader in the movement for global change and for light and for those in the most need. She's an author and activist. She's also one of the leading proponents of climate correction. It's an honor to finally welcome to the show, Dr. Bandana Shiva. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I wanted to ask you first on a personal level, how are you doing with COVID? It's rampant, it's global, and India is struggling. Has it affected you deeply personally over the last year and, and currently? Well, we are all locked down, aren't we? I mean, if we weren't creative and adaptive and resilient, we would all be totally sunk. So there's the COVID and there's the lockdown and that India has had among the most harsh lockdown and millions have lost their livelihoods. And the figures are there in the Oxfam report overall working people lost 3.7 trillion and the non-working super rich made 3.9 trillion during this lockdown period. Um, then, of course, is the actual deaths, and we've never seen anything like this. It makes no medical sense at all, no sense of health, you know. Nobody can explain what's actually happening to the body, you know. What is this virus doing? Last year, there was no problem of oxygen. This year, it's all about oxygen. So it's all very, very mysterious and very, very uh, tragic. We are losing 4,000 people a day and around us. We've lost many friends. My own sister was ill, but we took loving care of her and she is strong. A lot of my colleagues, I mean, entire, this is the other unusual thing. Entire families are getting knocked down. Didn't happen last time. Maybe one person had COVID, but the rest had resilience and it was fine. They did fine, you know. But now if there's a family of four, they're all down. And the symptoms, like I said, they're getting typhoid, they're getting this breathing problem, they are getting uh, debilitating body aches. I have not heard a single medical specialist explain what's happening to the human body. Outside naming this thing called COVID-19, we don't have a health and medical and epidemiological explanation of what's going on. Doctor, do you also feel that the planet might be sending us a little bit of a message too, because there's several factors, how connected we all are globally, and that with the planet warming up radically, we're going to face challenges like this. And we seem to keep putting the ostrich approach, putting it off and not dealing with it. To me, this is a bit of a bellwether, a warning sign that we have to really come into harmony with our environment, or there's going to be other things like this and the weather itself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the same uh, processes of greed without limits, because what is our economic model today? Our economic model is limitless growth. And the earth and her limits are a problem. And we are so super smart that we can always find a new technological fix to trash the earth. And that's been the industrial mindset. Um, but added to it is the last 30 years of neoliberal globalization. You know, free trade is what the British came with to India. We basically, free trade was colonize us. That's what the East India Company did there. Right Honorable East India Company, free trade in India. 
and was basically destroying our economy and taking over $45 trillion transferred in the short few hundred years of their rule. Right now, we have the so-called free trade of the World Trade Organization. And this has trashed the planet. My work has been on intellectual property, on the agricultural agreement, on the sanitary and phytosanitary agreement. Each of them is a deregulation agreement. Each of them is saying, if the Amazon is coming in the way, trash it. Grow soya bean. If the animals want grass, because that's what they, they eat, they're herbivores, feed them intensive GMO soya feed and grow it in the Amazon. And if we should be phasing out energy intensive systems that are basically crossing all ecological limits, use more fossil fuels to now turn the soya bean into biodiesel and the GMO corn into ethanol and continue to use uh, fossil fuels, but now also have subsidies for biofuel. 90% of the GMO soya and corn is coming, is being used for uh, animal feed and, uh, and biofuel. But the trashing of the forests, the invasion into the forest is the prime cause for new epidemics. The UN has warned, they said the, it's being treated as a medical problem, but it's really an, an imbalance in our relationship with the earth. Uh, stopping to respect the limits that the earth puts on us, uh, the limits of respecting indigenous rights puts or not invading into their homes. Everyone thinks, wow, GMO soya, Monsanto keeps collecting royalties, Cargill keeps making illegal ports inside the Amazon and I've visited these ports on a journey to the Amazon. But the same system is also contributing to climate change. My work has shown that 50% of the greenhouse gases come from a fossil fuel chemical-based industrial globalized agriculture, 50%, of which 20% is destruction of forests. And they have a very neutral language. So most climate activists don't realize when they talk land use change, they're talking deforestation. And so most people don't connect biodiversity destruction and the climate phenomena. These are treated as two separate specialization, but they are the same. The same processes that are destroying biodiversity are causing disease, are causing climate chaos. And if we continue to say, wow, Pfizer made 3.5 billion in three months, let's have more pandemics. It is such a wonderful profiteering system. Oh, if the climate change is causing a problem, you just get a billionaire to write a book, how to avoid climate disaster. And he pres pres prescribes exactly what has caused the disaster. Uh, one of the contributors to climate change is synthetic chemical fertilizer. Nitrogen fertilizer uses two liters of diesel to produce one kilogram, which then emits nitrous oxide, which is 300 times more damaging to the climate. If you look at the planetary boundaries, the planetary boundary that has been most ruptured is the planetary boundary of nitrogen, the, the science is all there. The species destruction is a planetary boundary and nitrogen. And Bill Gates is saying, use more nitrogen. The EAT forum is saying, oh, the third world doesn't use more enough nitrogen. Say, kill the cows, which give us good organic manure, get rid of them and uh, use more nitrogen fertilizer. So, you know, those who created the crisis are just wringing their hands and saying, wow, 
trillions on trillions on trillions. And the arrogance and ignorance is so deep. They think they will all escape to Mars on SpaceX. Maybe we should jumpstart the process and just put all those oligarchs on the rocket to Mars now and send them out there and give them a head start. And then the rest of us can get on with saving the planet and get them out of the way. Because at some point, the planet, which is Gaia, a living organism, is going to mount an immune response, which is already starting against this parasitic invasive species that is the Homo sapien. You're a scientist. And what you just said about the epidemic and the pandemic is true. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do not go along with the understanding that it's Homo sapiens as a species. It's a small group. It's not humanity. Humanity has lived for the 200,000 years. Humanity lived very peacefully. And how to live peacefully with the earth, the remnants are all in the living cultures of indigenous people. They're all in the living cultures of women who are fighting. I work my entire 50 years of ecological activism has been inspired by women activists. They are not causing the problem. They are standing in the way, throwing their bodies between the bulldozers that are destroying and the earth. It's a very small group. And the group was small when colonialism happened. British East India Company was 300 merchant adventurers. The Spanish, a Pope, a King and a Queen and a Columbus. That's how little it was. And now we've got a handful of billionaires and their asset management funds. It's again, very countable people. In my understanding and my recent book, Oneness Versus 1%, which has been published in the US by Chelsea Green. uh, And I wrote it because two things started to puzzle me. First, how was Bill Gates standing with heads of state at the Paris summit on climate? Since when did he become equal to elected governments? And I realized he wasn't just equal, he was their boss. And I've watched the last five years, him becoming the boss of our governments and the UN system. And he has co stolen the World Health Organization, but he's now trying to steal the Food and Agriculture Organization. And he's trying to bring his failed green revolution Agra, he calls it. My work on green revolution began in 84 after the disasters in Punjab and Bhopal. I did a book called The Violence of the Green Revolution. Bill Gates, in spite of all the knowledge that this is not sustainable, spread it Africa-wide and has basically destroyed African agriculture. And Africans had said, we don't need this. We don't need more fertilizers. We don't need GMO seeds. We don't need you to write our laws. We need democracy. He has now hijacked the FAO Food Summit and put it in the hands of the woman who heads his Agra, Agnes Garbetta, and he's going to run it like a privatization summit. And they're really thinking that come this October, I think it is in New York, they're going to launch their dystopia of one agriculture for the whole world. So it's this handful of people. And because they've made so much money, if, if just in one year, 3.9 trillion additional wealth while ordinary working people lost their livelihoods. We are talking about anyone who's willing to play for them. Of course, they'll get a fat salary. And that's the reason they keep getting armies of willing slaves because of the, you know, where do the fattest salaries come today? In the finance world and in the digital world. Why does it come there? Because that's where the most illegitimate money has been made. 
in the technology world by collecting royalties on software that is a commons and basically turning our, our communications, our interactions into the capital for the surveillance capitalism. You know, uh, we are the raw material as Susanna Zubov has said. And then on the digital system, they are making money out of money, out of money, out of money when Wall Street collapsed in 2008, but they don't learn. And they're ready because they know that they have the government so captive because they finance the elections and they get the commitments to say, if their games fall apart, they will be bailed out. And what was the bailout? 13 trillion in the 2008 crisis. So they constantly get bailed out. It's the ordinary people who don't. And of course, money cannot bail out the earth, only love and care and removing our violence. Is, the earth is too big for us to bail her out. All we can do is say, we will stop causing harm. And that is the true science. Anyone who believes otherwise that there's a stupid technology like genetic engineering and geoengineering to fix the climate as Bill Gates talks about, he's financing geoengineering, you know, oh, climate change is a problem. Let's mess up the climate even more now intentionally. If earlier the oil industry created climate change as a side effect, Bill Gates wants to do it as his conquest over the air. And that's why I say it is not all of humanity. It is this group of insane men with uncontrollable power and uncontrollable greed. And I think the challenge to humanity is how do you control them? That's what democracies were supposed to be for. That is what regulations are supposed to be for. And, um, and sadly, people aren't thinking enough because everyone's panicking. Everyone is in a state of total panic right now. That is an inspiring and brilliant distinction. And you're right. It's a very small cadre and it is masculine. And they are trying to constantly suppress the indigenous and the divine feminine principles. Like you said, women are throwing themselves in front of the bulldozer. How can such a small group, like you say, I mean, it's literally a handful of people control the world the way it does. I know they own the media apparatus like Fox News and the big corporations, they constant propaganda. They've controlled the school system for 100 years in America. How can we interrupt that pattern like in the matrix and wake people up enough to have critical mass to stop the collective from going over the cliff led by a few insane people? Well, I Actually, there are a lot of people who see what's going on and a lot of people are rising, except that the divisions that were created by colonialism around race, around religion, around gender, and of course, around wealth and poverty, that these divisions continue to be walls of organizing. You know, we organize only within our little silos. Yeah. So the Black Lives Matter is a Black Lives Matter, yeah? And uh, the feminists have done a tremendous job, but a lot of feminist work is only around an, a narrowly defined women's rights. And very often defining women's rights in terms of the masculine model of what it means to be human. After all, what did colonialism did? It defined the universal it defined the colonizer as the universal model of human and we were reduced to barbarians, yeah? And so I would say what we need to do is for the barbarians to unite, those who live free, 
And I, I'll give you a little story. Um, you know, there's a little place in, uh, not a little place, it's a large island in uh, Italy called Sardinia. And they had called me because we'd done a, a, a book called Terra Viva and they translated and they have amazing democracy systems still. They have these amazing round huts where they convene to make collective decisions. And they talked about how Italy treated them as barbarians and Europe treated them as barbarians. And, um, and they said, but we, we celebrate our being barbarians because we so love the earth. We will never harm her. Look at our oak forests. They are as abundant as they were. And now new research is showing that in the small mountains of Sardinia, people are all living above a hundred. Then the research was done. Is their gene, are the genes different? No, the genes are the same as the people in the lowland, but the difference is they're eating their old grain and they're eating their old fruit. And in one apricot of the old fruit, which is defined as low yielding, there is enough nutrition that equals 52 of the high yielding apricots. So we've got our measures all wrong. We got our metrics all wrong. We called extraction growth. We called destruction growth. We called low nutrition, high yielding. And we just need to do what we do in yoga. We have a beautiful posture, you know, so to stand on the head. We need to just turn it. We need to flip this model, you know, it's, it's standing in the wrong place. It's inverted, it's an inverted system. And the reason it's so unstable, it's an inverted pyramid that is trying to crush the bottom, but the bottom is what holds. And, uh, and therefore we have toppling on toppling on toppling. We talked to, we are having a cyclone now in India, never from the Arabian Sea, always from the East in Bay of Bengal. The unpredictability is the Arabian Sea is becoming cyclonic. It never was, never was. So this is climate. I don't call it climate change because that's, you know, the smooth 1.5 to 2 degrees. No, 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 no. It's climate chaos. You have so ruptured Gaia's self-regulating climate systems. You are creating chaos and you're responsible for it. And therefore, the solution is not technological fixes. The solution is the polluter must pay. Every life lost. Right now, I think we've lost about 30 lives in just this two days of a cyclone. Every life lost is a life destroyed by this ecocidal and genocidal system. And I think the challenge the humanity across the board has is if we have the courage to recognize that IG Farben, which did make the chemicals to gas people to death in Hitler's Germany, if we could have the courage to have a Nuremberg trial, we need new Nuremberg trials. They might have to begin at the civic level because the governments right now are in their pockets. But we need an across cultures, across genders, across classes, a new rising to say, we have to reclaim the power that has been taken away from us. Because this power in the hands of a genocidal, ecocidal group is driving both the earth and humanity to the brink. So true. We need accountability, responsibility. Truth and reconciliation it has to be global because it's one family now. It's one planet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then uh, back to basics, the, back to the soil, back to small communities, back to local farming, back to su a sustainable culture. Like you pointed out, for hundreds of thousands of years, Native people lived in, across the planet, lived in harmony with the, entire, with the entire planet. 
They did not have a stock market and they did not have F-16s and fancy toys, but they lived for a long time and they did not destroy their ecosystem. So we need a total paradigm shift and a new model. Absolutely. And among the shifts in paradigm, I think, you know, because I've ended up looking so closely at agriculture and working in agriculture, and that's what I do. My life is saving seeds and doing ecological farming. This is my life now, being for the last 36 years. And I realized part of the colonial narrative that created racism, that created uh, the huge divisions, uh, created the poverty in the South, created the wealth in the North, that very false narrative of this was that there were hunters and gatherers, and then they leaped into agriculture and agriculture has always been destructive. There's no lie bigger than that. Aboriginal people of Australia have farmed for 60,000 years. They were farmers. We've got to stop talking about agriculture being necessarily destructive. Industrial agriculture is destructive. Fossil fuel agriculture is destructive. Chemical agriculture is destructive. Monocultures for commodities are destructive. Putting animals into factory farms are destructive. Animals shouldn't be banned. They should just be let free. Agriculture should not be attacked. Uh, it is being every recipe of the people like Bill Gates under their net zero is an attempt to try and shut down what is the true solution. Small farms, protecting our biodiversity, local food economies, autonomy at every level. That's what they would like to shut down. And that's where we have to have the courage to say you will not. Monsanto said all seeds will be genetically modified. All seeds will be patented. We, four corporations, will control all seeds of the world by the year 2000. I made a commitment. I'm going to defend every little seed I come across. I will not accept their patenting. And since the 1987, not only have we saved so many seeds, we've created 150 community seed banks. Farmers are doing well if they have their own seeds, earning 10 times more than the farmers chasing money with GMO seeds, with the chemicals. Uh, and chasing global supply chains with commodities. Farmers growing food for themselves, their com communities, earning 10 times more and producing more nutrition per acre. The solutions are all there and they are about making peace with the earth and getting rid of colonial narratives because they come in the way. Colonial narratives are keeping us divided. I know so many of my friends in the North who don't know that Albert Howard was sent to India to improve Indian farming. He arrived and found how rich the fields were, how rich the soil was, how there were so many insects, but no pests damaging the crops. And he said, the pests and these peasants are smarter than me. I'm going to make them my professors. He wrote a book called The Agricultural Testament, which has been published in the US by Rodale Press and became the basis of organic farming in America, published by the Soil Association in England, became the base of organic farming there. He is on record to say for thousands of years, Indian peasants have worked on the same piece of land through regeneration. They didn't have to keep abandoning land because if you care for the land, you can farm in the same two acres, thousands of years in a row. If the slash and burn attitude of the colonizing agriculture is what has caused the harm. But too many people criminalize agriculture. Too many people are criminalizing animals now. And we will get it wrong because we have 
to work with the earth for the earth. We have to work with animals for the animals. One of my most favorite, dearest friends and favorite writers is Wendell Berry. Now, Wendell Berry plows with a horse. He and the horse are partners. And I think more people who don't understand the role of animals in farming should go visit Wendell and understand that you can have a non-violent relationship, a respectful relationship, a reverence, a care for animals. And none of this is impossible because as, as intimidating as it may look to the outside eye, it's very fragile, this inverted pyramid, isn't it? Very fragile. If people really rise up, this thing will crumble and they're terrified of people uniting. You know, I wrote my book, Oneness Versus 1%. People started to notice Gates at that time. Till then, he was a philanthropist. You know, he had uh, changed his persona very rapidly from being the pirate and the monopolizer. And he, you know, they, they did a big makeover. He became the philanthropist. The whole world believed this. I, I, I wrote my book in sincerity to figure out how he got more power than our elected heads of state. We then wrote another book called The Gates to Global Empire. And just in the last six months, I can tell you, so many people have woken up to Bill Gates. So many people. And now all the trash is coming out. <laughs> he and Epstein and, you know, the Me Too movement now should join this liberation of the planet. It's not about Me Too alone. It's about we and the earth together. And you remain ever hopeful, even though you are on the front lines and the cutting edge. I am amazed at your energy and the fact that the more alarming the news becomes, the brighter you shine and the more enthusiastic. How do you do that? How do you keep that alive inside of you and not just get rolled over like one, one of those bulldozers? <laughs> well, you know, I've had, to, I've had to live always on the edge. And when you live on the edge, you learn how to walk carefully. You learn how to have courage. And a courage that cannot dissipate you. Because if, if your anger is directed to the one who's destroying you, you will be dissipated, especially if they have the formal power, because they have all the instruments. I mean, they've tried, they've tried forever to wipe me out of the face of this, <laughs> including constantly saying, and you could die. If you don't stop this, you will find yourself dead tomorrow. Or if you don't stop this, your son will be finished tomorrow. You know, I've had this, but my parents taught me fearlessness. And life has taught me compassionate courage, that a deep love for the earth is the biggest power we have. Our oneness with the earth is an absolutely inexhaustible source of energy. And I think that's the source that I think through, I live through, I act through. And who can stop that force? That is the force of all creation. And what's amazing is this life you didn't really choose. It chose you. You had another plan when you were young, and it's like your destiny said, I don't think so. And now look. Yeah, I, I had Einstein as my plan. You know, that's where I wanted to walk. That, if I had a plan, that was it. The rest is, yeah, the, I've been thrown into situations and uh, constantly learned to swim. <laughs> Are you a deeply spiritual person? I know you're very involved in the world, but yet I hear woven in this a great love, a spirituality of the mystery and whatever the ultimate creative force is that created every atom and every nitrogen molecule in this entire universe. I think without having that consciousness, you live a very empty life. 
and you live a life of fear. You live a life of loneliness and aloneness. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very conscious that we are part of a very beautiful spiritual conscious world. And we have to do our little bit in this conscious world with our consciousness and align ourselves. Then I hear the birds singing in harmony with your words in the background, right? And, you know, my mother turned a parking lot into our home in Dehradun, where I'm locked down. And now it's an urban forest right opposite the motor vehicle's office. And, uh, and the birds are amazing. There's so many species I haven't seen forever. And she left us mangoes and lychees and the storms keep trying to crash them down. But the, yeah, the birds are happy with us and we are locked down with the birds and it's a good place to be. I know we have to let you go. What inspiring words would you live with our global worldwide audience? We have a lot of young people. We have famous climate scientists who listen. We have congressmen who listen. We have CEOs on Wall Street who happen to listen. I know for a fact they write me notes. What can you say in this moment, this crossroads as we stand here with incredible possibilities, but also the reality of the situation is if we do not shift, I feel like we will be removed but we have the possibility of harmony and the Garden of Eden right in front of us and it's in our hands. What would you communicate to the people of the world? Become part of the Garden of Eden and it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a CEO, you could be a congressman. Turn to soil in a pot, in your backyard, in your front yard, turn it into a garden and garden by garden, garden by garden, we will make this earth a Garden of Eden. And it's not a trivial suggestion because as we found, if there are billions of gardens, we will draw down the carbon dioxide. We will actually solve climate change. You don't need one farm. You need millions of gardens, billions of gardens. And most importantly, and to me, this is the most significant thing. You realize once again that you are part of the soil. You know, we, Soil is not dirt, soil is us. We are humans because we are humans and we need to learn belonging again and through the belonging, do the healing and the gardening. Wow. And in that I hear, turn your life and your life's work and the people you touch into a garden. You have been very generous and I just am an, it's honored to be able to bring your beautiful divine words to be a conduit and I hope to meet you someday and I hope to march with you someday. I hope to dig the soil with you someday. And I, I offer my platform to you anytime because I so admire the work you're doing and you do it with such humility and joy and grace. You are a gift from God to us and the earth. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light. <laughs>